Chapter Fourteen of Raspberry Jam by Caroline Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Five Senses. However, he decided quickly it must be done, so he said diplomatically, This is awful interesting, Miss Ames, and I'm just dead sure and certain Mr. Stoned thinks so too. Let's go out and get it off where he can hear it. What say? The boy had risen and was edging toward the door. Rather than lose her audience, Aunt Abby followed, and in a moment the pair appeared in the living room, where Fleming Stone was still talking to Eunice and Mr. Elliot. Miss Ames now, she's got something worth telling fibsy announced this yarn of hers is pure gold and a yard wide mr stone and you order hear it sir gladly and stone gave aunt abby a welcoming smile nothing loath to achieve the centre of the stage the old lady seated herself in her favourite armchair and began it was almost morning she said a faint dawn began to make objects about the room visible when i opened my eyes and saw a dim gliding figure eunice gave an angry exclamation and rising quickly from her chair walked into her own room and closed the door with a slam that left no doubt as to her state of mind. Let her alone, advised Elliot. She's better off in there. What is this story, Aunt Abby? I have never heard it in full. No, Eunice never would let me tell it, but it will solve all mystery of Sanford's death. Then it is indeed important and stone looked at the speaker intently yes mr stone it will prove beyond all doubt that mr embry was a suicide go on then said elliot briefly i will in the half light i saw this figure i just mentioned it wasn't discernible clearly it was merely a moving shadow a vague shape it came toward me from which direction asked stone with decided interest from eunice's room that is it had of course come from mr embry's room through eunice's room and so on into my room for it was sanford embry's spirit get that firmly in your minds the old lady spoke with asperity, for she was afraid of contradiction, and resented their quite apparent scepticism. Go on, please, urged Stone. Well, the spirit came nearer my bed, and posed, and looked down on me, where I lay. Did you see his face? asked Elliot. Dimly. I can't seem to make you understand how vague the whole thing was, and yet it was 
there as he leaned over me i saw him saw the indistinct shape and i heard the sound of a watch ticking it was not my watch it was a very faint ticking one but all else was so still that i positively heard it gee said fibsy in an explosive whisper then he seemed about to move away impulsively i made a movement to detain him almost without volition acting on instinct i put out my hand and clutched his arm i felt his sleeve it wasn't a coat sleeve nor a pyjama sleeve it seemed to have on his gymnasium suit the sleeve was like woolen jersey and you felt this yes mr stone i felt it distinctly and not only with my hand as i grasped at his arm but aunt abby hesitated an instant then went on but i bit at him yes i did i don't know why only i was possessed with an impulse to hold him and he was slipping away i didn't realize at the time who or what it was and i sort of thought it was a burglar but anyway i bit at him and so i bit at the woolen sleeve it was unmistakable and on it i tasted raspberry jam what cried her hearers almost in concert yes you needn't laugh i guess i know the taste of raspberry jam and it was on that sleeve as sure as i am sitting here gee repeated fibsy his fists clinched on his knees and his bright eyes fairly boring into the old lady's countenance gee whiz go on said stone quietly and i smelled gasoline concluded miss ames defiantly now sir there is the story make what you will out of it it's every word true i have thought it over and over since i realized what it all meant and had i known at the time it was sanford's spirit i should have spoken to him but as it was i was too stunned to speak and when i tried to hold him he slipped away and disappeared but it was positively a materialization of sanford embry's flitting spirit and nothing else the vision may argue a passing soul stone said kindly as if humoring her but the effect on your other senses seems to me to indicate a living person no and aunt abby spoke with deep solemnity a materialized spirit is evident to our senses one or another of them in this case i discerned it by all five senses which is unusual possibly unique but i am very psychic 
very sensitive to spiritual manifestations you have seen ghosts before then oh yes i have visions often but never such a strange one and where did this spirit disappear to it just faded it seemed to waft on across the room i closed my eyes involuntarily and when i opened them again it was gone leaving no trace behind the faint odor of gasoline and the taste of raspberry jam on my tongue fibsy snickered but suppressed it at once and said and he left the little dropper thing beside your bed yes boy you seem clairvoyant yourself he did it was sanford of course he had killed himself with the poison and he tried to tell me so but he couldn't make any communication they rarely can so he left the tiny implement that we might know and understand hmm yes and stone sat thinking now miss ames you must not be offended at what i'm about to say i don't disbelieve your story at all you tell it too honestly for that i fully believe you saw what you call a vision but you have thought over it and brooded over it until you think you saw more than you did or less but leaving that aside for the moment i want you to realize that your theory of suicide based on the vision is not logical supposing your niece were guilty as the detectives think might not mr embry's spirit have pursued the same course aunt abby pondered then her eyes flashing she cried do you mean he put the dropper in my room to throw suspicion on me instead of on his wife there is a chance for such a theory sanford wouldn't do such a thing he was truly fond of me but to save his wife i never thought of all that maybe he did or maybe he dropped the thing accidentally maybe stone spoke preoccupiedly mason elliot too sat in deep thought at last he said aunt abby if i were you i wouldn't tell that yarn to anybody else let's all forget it and call it merely a dream what do you mean mason the old lady bridled having no wish to hear her marvellous experience belittled it wasn't a dream not an ordinary dream it was a true appearance of sanford after his death you know such things do happen look at that son of sir oliver lodge you don't doubt that do you never mind those things but i earnestly beg of you aunt abby to forget the episode or at least to promise me you will not repeat it to anyone else why 
i think it wiser for all concerned for all concerned that the tale shall not become public property but why oh my land burst out Pipsy. don't you see the ghost was mrs embry the boy had put into words what was in the thoughts of both stone and elliot they realized that while aunt abby's experience might have been entirely a dream it was so circumstantial as to indicate a real occurrence and in that case what solution so plausible as that eunice after committing the crime wandered into her aunt's room and whether purposely or accidentally dropped the implement of death stone bent on investigation plied miss ames with questions elliot sorely afraid for eunice begged the old lady not to answer you are inventing he cried you are drawing on your imagination don't believe all that mr stone it isn't fair to-to mrs embry then you see it as i do mr elliot and stone turned to him quickly but even so we must look into this story suppose as an experiment we build up a case against mrs embry for the purpose of knocking it down again a man of straw you know don't pleaded elliot just forget the rigmarole of the nocturnal vision and devote your energies to finding the real murder i have a theory wait mr elliot i fear you are an interested investigator don't forget that you have been mentioned as one of those with motive but no opportunity since you have raised that issue mr stone let me say right here that my regard for mrs embry is very great it is also honourable and life-long i make no secret of it but i declare to you that its very purity and intensity puts it far above and beyond any suspicion of being motive for the murder of mrs embry's husband mason elliot looked fleming stone straight in the eye and the speaker's tone and expression carried a strong conviction of sincerity fibsy too scrutinized elliot good egg he observed to himself trouble is he would give us that same song and dance if he'd croaked the guy his own self furthermore stone went on mrs embry shows a peculiarly strong repugnance to hearing this story of miss ames experience that looks oh fiddlesticks cried miss ames who had been listening in amazement it wasn't eunice why would she rig up in sanford's gem jersey why wouldn't she countered stone as i said we are building up a supposititious case assume that it was mrs embry not at all in acting a ghost but merely wandering around after her impulsive deed 
for if she is the guilty party it must have been an impulse deed you know her uncontrollable temper her sudden spasms of rage mr stone a man of straw as you call it is much more easily built up than knocked down elliot spoke sternly i hold you have no right to assume mrs embry's identity in this story miss ames tells is there anything that points to her in your discernment by your five senses miss ames stone asked very gravely has mrs embry a faintly ticking watch yes her wrist watch aunt abby answered though speaking evidently against her will and is it possible that she slipped on her husband's jersey and it is possible there was raspberry jam on the sleeve of it you see i'm not doubting the evidence of your senses now as to the gasoline had mrs embry or her maid by any chance been cleaning any laces or finery with gasoline i won't tell you and aunt abby shook her head so obstinately that it was quite equivalent to an affirmative answer now you see aunt abby protested elliot in an agonized voice why i want you to shut up about that confounded vision you are responsible for this case mr stone is so ingeniously building up against eunice you are getting her into a desperate coil from which it will be difficult to extricate her if she got hold of this absurd yarn it's not entirely absurd broke in stone but i agree with you mr elliot if shane learns of it he won't investigate any further he shan't know of it was the angry retort i got you here mr stone to discover the truth or to free mrs embry there was a pause and the two men looked at each other then mason elliot said in a low voice to free mrs embry i can't take the case that way stone replied i will abandon the whole affair or i will find out the truth abandon it cried a ringing voice and the door of her bedroom was flung open as eunice again appeared she was in a towering fury her face was white and her lips compressed to a straight scarlet line give up the case i'll take my chances with any judge or jury rather than with you she faced the stone like the tiger her husband had nicknamed her i have heard every word aunt abby's story and your conclusions your despicable deductions as i suppose you call them i've had enough of the celebrated detective quite enough of fleming stone and his work she stepped back and gazed at him with utter scorn beautiful as the sculptured medea haughty as a tragedy queen independent as a pig on ice fibsy communicated with himself 
and he stared at her with undisguised admiration eunice and the pain in mason elliot's voice was noticeable eunice dear don't do yourself such injustice why not when everybody is unjust to me you mason you and this this infallible detective sit here and deliberately build up what you call a case against me me eunice embry oh i hate you all a veritable figure of hate incarnate she stood her white hands clasping each other tightly as they hung against her black gown her head held high her whole attitude fiercely defiant she flung out her words with bitterness that betokened the end of her endurance the limit of her patience then her hands fell apart her whole body drooped and sinking down on the wide sofa she sat hopelessly facing them but with head erect and the air of one vanquished but very much unsubdued take that back eunice elliot spoke passionately and quite as if there were no others present you don't hate me i'm here to help you you can't mason no one can help me no one can protect me from fleming stone the name was uttered with such scorn as to seem an invective of itself stone betrayed no annoyance at her attitude toward him but rather seemed impressed with her personality he gave her a glance that was not untinged with admiration but he made no defence i can cried fibsy who was utterly routed by eunice's imperious beauty you go ahead with mr f stone ma'am and i will see to it that they ain't no injustice done to you stone looked at his excited young assistant with surprise and then good-naturedly contented himself with a shake of his head and a uh, careful terence yes sir but oh mr stone and then at a gesture from the great detective the boy paused abashed and remained silent now miss ames stone began in mrs embry's presence i'll ask you you won't ask me anything sir she returned crisply i'm going out i have a very important errand to do oh i don't know about that elliot said it's almost six o'clock aunt abby where are you going i have got an errand a very important errand an appointment in fact i must go don't you dare oppose me mason you'll be sorry if you do even as she spoke the old lady was scurrying to her room from which she returned shortly garbed for the street all right stone said in reply to a whisper from fibsy and the boy offered respectfully let me go with you miss ames it ain't fitting you should go alone it's most dark 
come on boy aunt abby regarded him kindly i'll be glad of your company at the street door the old lady asked for a taxicab and the strangely assorted pair were soon on their way you are a bright lad fibsy she said by the way what's your real name i forget terence ma'am terence mcguire i wish i was old enough to be called mcguire i'd like that i'll call you that if you wish you're old for your age i'm sure how old are you going on about fifteen or sixteen i think i sort of forget nonsense you can't forget your age why do they call you fibsy cause i'm a born a liar excuse me a congenital prevaricator i meant to say you see ma'am it's necessary in my business not always to employ the plain unvarnished but don't be alarmed ma'am when i take a fancy to anybody as i have to you ma'am i don't never lie to em not that i suppose you would care eh ma'am aunt abby laughed you are a queer lad why i'm not sure i'd care if it didn't affect me in any way i'm not responsible for your truthfulness though i don't mind advising you that you ought to be a truthful boy land ma'am don't you suppose i know that but honest now are you always just exactly absolutely truthful yourself certainly i am oh, what do you mean by speaking to me like that well don't you ever touch up a yarn a little just so to make it more interesting like most ladies do that is most ladies of intelligence and brains which you sure have got in plenty there there boy i'm afraid i have humored you too much you're presuming i presume i am but one question more while we are on this absorbing subject didn't you now just add a jot or a tittle to that ghost story you put over was it every bit on the dead level yes child aunt abby took his question seriously it was every word true i didn't make up the least word of it i believe you ma'am and i congratulate you on your clairvoyant powers now about that raspberry jam ma'am that's a mighty unmistakable taste ain't it now it is maguire it certainly is and i tasted it just as surely as i'm here telling you about it have you had it for supper lately ma'am no eunice hasn't had it on her table since i have been visiting her is that so ma'am End of chapter 14